Hey, we're starting a brand new series today called Awesome Relationships, and this weekend I'm going to talk about marriage, next weekend I'm going to talk about family, and then the next weekend I'm going to talk about friendships. How do you fight to have an awesome marriage, fight to have awesome family, and fight to have awesome friendships? Now, I thought it would be fitting to launch this series on Valentine's Day, so it's a short series, three weeks, and um, I, I want to begin by just right out of the gate saying not all of us are married, right? There's some folks who are married and some folks who are single, and I'm going to put a lot into what I'm sharing today because normally you would think a whole series could be about marriage, but I only have this week to talk about how you fight for an awesome marriage. But before I begin, I just want to remind you of what the Bible says about marriage and about singleness. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians that marriage is a gift and singleness is a gift. And I could teach a long time about that, and there's a lot to be said about that, but what I want to focus in on with you today is that no matter where you are in your singleness or in your marriage, that means you need to understand, what does that mean, God, about this gift that you've given to me, either to be single right now or to be married? Some some folks are single and they want to stay single, and folks are single and they want to be, you know, one day be married. Folks are all different kinds of places. But today, I want to turn with you to God's Word, and I want to just uh, take the Bible, if it's okay, watch this, I'm going to take the Bible and like a Bunsen burner, you remember chemistry class? We're going to hold that Bunsen burner out, we're going to light the flame, we're going to hold marriage over the Bible today, and we're going to ask God to heat up what the biblical understanding of marriage is really all about. God, marriage is your plan, right? Marriage is your creation, you came up with the idea, so God, teach us about marriage. Now, let me begin today with a scripture that's not even in your outline. You might even want to write it down somewhere. It actually will come before anything we study, and it's from the book of Hebrews. And the Bible says this in Hebrews from the New Century Version. It says simply this, marriage is to be honored by, say that last word out loud, everyone. So whether you're single or or married, whether you ever plan on being married, the Bible says marriage is a thing that has been created by God, and it is to be honored by everyone. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist for you to know that marriage is not honored by everyone. There are some folks who just don't think very highly of marriage anymore. And I'll I'll use my boxing gloves for a minute just as a metaphor with you to think about how marriage has been under attack. The truth of the matter is, in the culture that we live in, both here in America, I would say throughout Europe, uh, across our globe, marriage is under attack right now. What does that look like, Stephen? Well... For some, they're throwing the punch when it comes to marriage, and they're saying, well, they're just discouraging people from marriage. What's marriage all about? And and, and they're just saying, hey, you don't don't have to get married. They're teaching that. They're, they're, They're promoting that with family members, loved ones. They're discouraging folks from marriage, not understanding that it's really God's plan. Some some people are throwing the uppercut and demeaning marriage and saying, marriage isn't really what all people have cracked it up to be. Listen, I got married. My marriage went south, this and that. And they, they demean, because of their experience, God's plan for marriage. They demean it. So they discourage it. They demean it. How about this one? Is this true or not? They're trying to redefine marriage, right? So if they can just, if they can redefine marriage with something else, if they can say marriage is something else, they're going to throw marriage a huge blow. Now, some folks are trying to delay marriage, right? And by the way, there's a biblical reason, and there's good logical reasons to delay marriage, but some folks are just delaying marriage because they're afraid of marriage, right? And they're afraid what might come with marriage. There are all kind of attacks being done towards marriage. And by the way, here's here's the critical thing. Christians, even Christians, are falling into the, the, uh, the attacks that are being levied right now at marriage. Even Christians are falling for the traps. So today, I'm gonna, I've got kind of a two-part message series. And I'm gonna go two-part message. I'm gonna go fast through the first one and try to skim through the second one as well. I want to talk to you first of all today. It's on the front of that outline. I want to talk to you about what marriage is all about. What, what, what is marriage? You see, I think that one of the reasons marriage is so under attack right now, and even Christians are falling for the tracks of distraction or delay or or redefinition, is because even God-fearing Christians don't really know. If you say, hey, what is marriage about? 
they don't really, they can't list out God's reasons for marriage. And so I want to do that with you at the start of this message. What is God's plan? Why did God put marriage in place? And then during the second message, part of the message, we're going to flip over and we're going to talk about how you really fight for your marriage. Because if, you're, if the culture we live in is attacking marriage, you better know that your marriage, if you're married, is going to be under attack. And by the way, if you're thinking about one day getting married, your marriage will be under attack. So how do you fight for an awesome marriage? That's where we're going to go in that second place. Now, let me, before we dive into this first part about what marriage is about, let me just tell you, if you don't know it already, let me dispel any myths. Marriage does not make life just all a better roses. Can I get an amen? amen. That wasn't loud enough. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me tell you, if you're already a jerk and you get married, you're going to be a worse jerk, all right? It ain't, it ain't going to make everything better. And a lot of folks think that, oh, if I just, if I just got married, it would solve all my What's the word? Problems, right? Let me tell you, marriage will not, if you don't know this already, this is the, it's worth the price of admission. Marriage is not going to solve all of your problems. As a matter of fact, normally, well, you know what marriage does? It actually reveals your problems, all right? It really does. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But the first thing I want to say is a lot of folks have this Hollywood understanding of romance and marriage, and they think that marriage is just, is just going to solve all their character issues and solve all their problems when the truth is, God's plan for marriage and God's creation of marriage is a lot bigger. And it's a lot better than that little elementary school kindergarten understanding of what marriage is really all about. Write down these six things with me real quick. Let's read some scriptures about it. Why is God's plan marriage? Why does marriage matter? Why did God come up with the idea of marriage? And if we can just kind of get this understanding that this is God's creation, this is God's plan, it'll start really making a lot of sense to us. So write this down. Number one, God created marriage for the connection of men and women. God wants men and women to be connected together. By the way, men and women need each other. Now, I know that might be kind of hard for some folks to hear, right? I've heard it said many times, you know, for a, for a female, for a woman, I don't need no man, right? And, 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 and by the way, I've heard, I've heard guys say the same thing. I ain't got to have no girl, you know? But the truth of the matter is, God made men and women to be in relationship. Now, here's a little clue. Whether you ever get married or not, you need women, you need men in your life, okay? And whether you get married or not, guys... You need women in your life. So one of the things that you need to understand is marriage is one of, one of, the, one of the plans behind marriage, the creation of it, is, is, is putting men and women in a connective relationship for his glory. And so another thing related with that connection of men and women is, if you haven't figured this all, all out, marriage is actually one of God's greatest antidotes to loneliness, so that we don't live by ourselves, so we don't do the, you know, the Lone Ranger thing in our life, God wants us, he wants us, to, one of the reasons is he wants us to have a partner that we walk through life with. If that's the gift he's given you, he wants to lead you towards a partner. By the way, lots of scriptures about how God's plan is to connect men and women. I chose one from the Gospel of Mark. And these are, these are the words of Jesus. So listen to Jesus's words as he talks about marriage. Jesus said, but God made them male and female. Notice, what, what did God make them? Male and female. Oh, we'll get back to that in a minute. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united as one. See that connection? The two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined Together. You got your little margin there. Hey, write down three things that aren't my outline that, that I think Jesus is saying right there. They're just commonsensical. The first one is this. Uh, number one, what is Jesus communicating about marriage? It's God's plan. Marriage is God's plan. Jesus said God made them this way. He made male and female. He united them together. Marriage, number one, is God's plan. The second thing that Jesus communicates is marriage is meant to be between a man 
and a woman. It's right there in the Scripture. And, I, and, and to me, it makes complete sense because body parts align and other things like that. But, but a male and a female, Jesus is very clear here that marriage is meant to be between a man and a woman. And then the third thing that Jesus communicates, he says, since God took the two and he made them one, he says you're not supposed to separate it. Here, here's, the, here's the third point you'll write down. Marriage is meant to be permanent. That's marriage. God's plan for marriage is that it would be between a man and a woman and that it would be permanent. And so the first reason that God gives us marriage is to connect men and women. Second reason, write this one down. Why does God create marriage? God created marriage for the multiplication of the human race. Write that down. The multiplication of the human race. And this makes all the sense in the world, right? For millennia, upon millennia, upon millennia, God's plan has been to take a woman and a man and make a baby, right? And that baby would then grow up and went later on, those two, the, another male, another female, they would, this is the way God replenishes the earth. Now, before I dive deeper into that, because there, there is something deeper into that, let me first of all remind you of something. The Bible says clearly that the most elementary understanding that we can ever have of God is that God is love. Here we sit on Valentine's Day, by the way, and I want to remind you that. First John says that God is love. Now, what do we pull from that? Have you ever thought about this before? If God didn't make the universe, if God didn't make you, there'd be no such thing as love in our universe. Have you ever even thought of a universe that didn't contain love? See, the Bible says God is love. And the one who flung the stars into space, the one who made you and me, the one who created this earth for us, he is a God of love. And so here's the cool thing. Watch this. You, because you were made in the imago dei, in the image of God, you can love too. See, because you've been made in God's image. You have the capacity to love. Worms don't have that capacity, right? Uh, birds don't have that capacity. You are made in the imago dei, in the image of God, and you, like your father, have the capacity to love. Now, in the grander scheme of things, what does this mean? That means that God, listen, God created the universe, and he created all the galaxies, and, and then he created this earth, and he, did, he created everything else that exists here, and then finally he got around to creating you. Why? And he made you in his image, and he gave you the ability to love just like he did. Why? We learn from our God very simply here that God is love and he made you because he wanted to love on you and he wanted you to be able to love him back. I'll say it a little differently. God wanted a family and God made you to be the family that he could love on you and love you back, right? Now, here's the cool thing. Let's go a little bit deeper here. Everybody who will one day be the family of God, gathered around God in heaven, when, when eternity is forevermore, everybody in heaven will have gotten to heaven by one way, all right? A man and a woman getting together, having a baby, right? Now, what does that mean? That means our God came up with the idea of marriage. Our God came up with the idea of sex. Go ahead, God. And, 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 and this is his plan, He's going to put a man and a woman together, and they're going to have a baby, and it's one more person that will be made in the Imago Dei, have the capacity to love, be able to be, return that love, and maybe one day be brought into the eternal family of God. This is what we're talking about with the multiplication of the human race. It's a lot more than just sex and having babies. God's plan was for marriage, the unity of a man and a woman, to have that child to be brought one day into the family of God. Read the scripture with me in, in Genesis. It says it simply this. So God created human beings in his own image, the imago dei, do you get that? In his own image, in the image of God, the imago dei, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, watch this, and he said, and everybody full voice, read, read these four words, all right? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, can I just give you a little clue here? We have messed up a lot of the commands of God, but this is one of them we got right, all right? We're still being fruitful, and we're still multiplying, right? It's the plan of God, and his plan is through marriage and through um, the, the, a man and woman having a child 
the human race would continue to be multiplied so that more and more of God's love might be shed abroad. Why did God create marriage? Why is it God's plan? For the connection of men and women, first. Secondly, it is for the multiplication of the human race. Write this one down. It's also for the, perfection, uh, for the, for the protection of our children. It's for the protection of children. Now think about it for a minute, guys. When, when, when a baby's born, if there's one word that sums up a baby, it's helpless. I mean, the baby can't, when you were born, you couldn't do anything for yourself. You couldn't change your diaper. You couldn't feed yourself. You couldn't even roll over onto your, your stomach, you know. When you were a baby, you were completely helpless. And that's how everybody comes into this world. But how does, what is God's plan? God's plan is that there would be a family that nurtures that child through those years of helplessness and nurtures them into a place of loving God, protects them along that journey. I don't have time to tell you, but you already know it. Statistics prove out that when a child is raised in a home with a loving father and a loving mother and a healthy, and it's a healthy home, the statistics blow you away at, at the possibilities for that child to be raised in health and success. I mean, literally, they have less chance of ever going to jail. They have less chance of ever being poor. They have less chance even of sickness in their own body if they're raised by a, a mother and a father in a healthy marriage. God's plan, whether you think it's what's the real or ideal, listen, God's ideal plan has always been that marriage would be the starting place and the protector of our children. The Bible says this in Proverbs 14, 26, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. Guys, this is what we want our marriages and our families to be, a refuge to protect our children. Write this one down, number four. Marriage is created by God for the perfection of our character. The perfection, write that down, of our character. No person, if you're married, in your world will ever shape you and have more of an effect on you than that person that you're married to, than your spouse. They, they make an indelible print. Now listen, I've had some great mentors. I've had some great coaches. I've had heroes in my life. But let me tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, in my mind right now, there is a lady that I gave vow to, gave covenant for, and stood in front of a whole bunch of people and pledged my love, my devotion, and my sacrifice to. And that lady, at the end of my dying breath, will have more of an impact in, on shaping my character than any of you and anybody else. She is involved in that process of change for me. And by the way, I'm involved in it for her. I don't want to ask how many years. I know it's more than 20, uh, 22, 23, something like that. Um, but we've been married for 22 or 23 years, and, and she'll get on to me later on. I'm sorry. I should have written that note down before I was preached. But anyway, um, we've been married for, I, you know, not nearly as long as some of you guys, but a good long time. And, and it goes without saying, I am not the same guy that she married, right? I've changed. I've grown. She's grown. And part of that process is we've been in a process of developing and working on each other's character. One of the reasons God has marriage is so that our character would be perfected with each other. Does that make any sense? Hey, listen, you remember what I said when you were a baby, you were born helpless? Let me tell you something else about being a baby. When you were a baby, you were born selfish. You, the first word you could probably say was mine and I. You know, it's all about you. And here's what you need to know about marriage. A marriage, when it begins, is still, when it begins, it is still incredibly selfish. You take two people who are incredibly selfish, and they are going to begin a journey to learn how to become selfless and learn how to sacrifice for one another. Read this real quickly. It says uh, about, I don't know, number four there, Proverbs 18.1. It is selfish and it is stupid to think only of yourself. But yet our marriages, every one of them, kind of start there, right? They all start in that very selfish place. But the goal of a marriage is that your, your character would be under this working surgery of God and be perfected over time. That you would grow up and not be selfish, but be selfless. And that's part of what God does in a marriage, right? Romans says this, Romans 12, 8 and 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. That's the grand picture of where God wants us to go, but a marriage doesn't begin there. But across time, if we do it God's way, a marriage has been given to us to make an indelible imprint on our souls. And there will be no person on this planet, including my mother or my dad, 
who make a greater impact on my character than Julie, the woman that I married. I just want to real quickly run a quick metaphor here that I didn't expect, but it walked into the sanctuary. I mean, it walked into the lobby this morning while I was drinking my OJ and had my, my donut. Where's Burma? Burma, are you in here somewhere? Burma. Just stay right there, Burma. If you don't know, would stand up for me. Burma, uh, this is Burma Jones, and Burma recently lost her husband, Johnny. Burma, how many years have y'all been married? 52 years. Hallelujah. Hey, clap hands for that. Hallelujah. 52 years. Burma walked in this morning with a, uh, keep standing, she walked in this morning with a new thing that she wanted to show me, and I just love, I, I love you guys, I love being your pastor. And she just made, I know you did, Burma, she made a beeline for me. And she said, I want to show you something. I'd never seen this before. I bet you haven't either. She has a brand new necklace that the funeral home sent to her this week. And on that necklace, and I wish you could see it, is her husband of 52, 52 years, Johnny's thumbprint sitting right there on that thing. And on the very back of it, let me read it. On the very back of it, it says, a touch of Johnny forever. I said to Burma, I love you, Burma. I I thought to myself for a minute about how Across 52 years, can you imagine how much Johnny changed Burma's life and how much Burma changed Johnny's life? Can you just imagine that? And now she holds this thumbprint right there as a a reminder. And I think a phenomenal metaphor for us today of what marriage is to be. There's a thumbprint going to be in your world. If God calls you and gives you the gifts of marriage, there's a thumbprint that will forever be changing your world because of God's plan and his design that he would let somebody else be involved in your character development and the perfection of your character. I love you. Congratulations. Thank you for being a model of a great marriage. All right, so what do we talk about? There's a lot of reasons already. Write down number five. Um, what is God's reason for uh, marriage? It is for the construction of society. What do you mean by that, Stephen? Well, we know simply this, that when marriages are strong in a culture and when marriages are strong in a nation, that nation rises that nation flourishes. And the converse is true. Whenever marriage is demeaned, it's demoralized, it is devalued, whenever that happens, nations begin to collapse. Now that pregnant pause that I just gave in this room was for you to think about our country. Is our country getting stronger? Is our country getting better? I think it is plainly obvious that our country has devalued and demoralized marriage. You know, when I was growing up, there was a Nike commercial on TV. It was just do it, you know. And the whole Michael Jordan thing was about, you know, me and I can succeed and, you know, I'm number one. You know, I grew up in a culture of individuality. I grew up in a culture that the whole center of the culture was me, me, me. And if, you, if we were really truthfully honest here, the American culture is far more centered on individuality and it's become an idol in our country. And we have taken this plan, this beautiful plan of what marriage is, and as a country we've said, oh, let's just do, it doesn't really matter and it doesn't really matter who raises our children. You don't need a mom and a dad in the home. And we've just let, we've watched, watched, watched the, the statistics fall. And I'm going to say it one more time. When marriages are successful and thriving in a culture, that culture thrives. And when marriage is devalued, cultures, nations, empires crumble. The Bible says this. Proverbs 14, 13. Righteousness lifts up a nation, but sin is a disgrace in any society. One of God's plans is that marriage would be a bedrock of a thriving, growing society. And it's, it's got to be one of the pillars of a successful nation. And then finally, and this is the most important one of all the six, even though it's labeled number six. Marriage, God created marriage for the, perfect, for the reflection of our union with Christ. For the reflection of our union with Christ. Let me say that differently. You might want to write in your margin there simply this. Marriage is a metaphor, all right? It's a model. Marriage is God's model to the world of his relationship with the world, okay? It's, it's like a marriage is a living, breathing, walking metaphor of God's relationship with his church, with his bride, with his people. 
And so here's, here's how it works. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, and by the way, I could do a whole series just on this one, but I got to go through it fast. In Ephesians 5, husbands get a word and wives get a word. So listen, husbands love your wives it's just as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her to make her holy. So how did Christ love the church? He loved the church sacrificially. He was willing to die for the church. He loved the church selflessly. He, not, he was not selfish. Willing to, willing to give himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And after all, no one ever hated his own body, but they, they, freely, they, they freed and they cared for their body just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Clearly, read this next word. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. You see, he's been talking about what we thought was marriage, right? Husband and wife. But then Paul says, no, this is a profound mystery. I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let me, let, me get, let me break this down. God made marriage, and it is the singular greatest entity on planet Earth that is a living, breathing, walking metaphor model of Jesus and the way he loves the church. And he calls husbands, you've got to be willing to lay down your life. You got to be willing to sacrifice for your wife. You got to love her that much. You got to love her more than you love herself. And wives must respect and honor their husbands. And this is the image of Jesus and his church, right? And this, listen, listen, this is the singular, greatest, biggest reason we cannot let marriage be redefined. We cannot let marriage be redefined as something other than a man and woman because God's plan is for a man and woman to become the model for the world. That a man would be willing to lay down his, wife, his life for his wife and that a woman would give great honor and respect just like we do to Christ for that great sacrifice and that would be the, that would be the picture of what God and his people are really like. Now, just a real quick pause. A couple of final words about what we've talked about here on this front page of your outline. You know, at the end of the day, when it comes to what marriage is really all about, it doesn't really matter what I say. And it really doesn't matter what you, th- you say or you think. And it really doesn't matter what your mom and your daddy taught you, okay? Or your grandmom and your granddaddy. And by the way, at, hey, listen, listen carefully. It really don't even matter what the Supreme Court said. You know what matters? It matters what he said. It was his plan. It's his creation. Really doesn't matter what you think about marriage. Doesn't matter what I think about marriage. It's what does God think about marriage. And that's important, that we know what God created marriage for. And then a final thought here just around um, this, thing of, this, this thing of what marriage is all about. Let me remind you of something. Twice, and this might be hard for some of us to hear, but twice Jesus said while he walked on this earth that when when this life is over, that in heaven there, there won't be marriage, okay? Twice Jesus said that. Now, I don't know exactly what heaven's going to be like. I don't, I don't know, but I do know this, and here's why, here's why that is. And by the way, nobody knows better than Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who said twice marriage won't be in heaven. Nobody knows heaven better than Jesus, so let's take him at his word. Here's the question, Jesus, why won't there be marriage in heaven? And here's the simple answer. Look at those six things I just gave to you. Do you think those things are needed in heaven? Do you think, for example, children will need to be protected in heaven? Do you think there'll be a need for the multiplication of the human race anymore in heaven? Do you think heaven, marriage will be for the construction of a society? Do you think heaven will need to be a metaphor anymore? Listen, here's the point. In heaven, you don't need marriage. You don't need the metaphor. You don't need the model. You got the real thing. You're there. And listen, this is going to be real uncomfortable for men. But all of us, if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're all the bride, all right? We're the bride, and we're with our groom, and it's the real deal, all right? There's no need anymore for that kind of connectivity between men and women or, or for, for multiplication. It's not there. What's there is us with our groom. That's the heart. And so marriage all along the way has done all these things God planned for it to do, 
But when, when this world is over, Jesus clearly said, there won't be marriage in heaven. We will be married to God. All right? You get it? Say got it. Good, 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 good. All right, flip that outline over. Before we go, I'm going to just roll through some stuff. And I know I'm running a little bit late, but I'm trying to probably fit a whole series in one, one day. I want to talk for a minute about how you fight for your marriage, okay? How do you fight for your marriage? And I'm going to put my boxing gloves on here because I'm going to talk about some fighting here for a minute, all right? Boy, if you've been married, you had a fight. Tell me the truth, right? Anybody ever been married and not ever have a fight? You liar. <laughs> How do you fight for your marriage, all right? And by the way, you'll notice here, I don't have a lot of fill in the blanks. I'm just giving you some places to take some notes, all right? So you take around whatever you hear that might help your marriage, all right? I want to talk to you about how we fight for our marriage. When Julie and I got married, it was very clear. I, I read plenty of books, and I heard from some counselors, and I knew there were five things. I'm holding up five fingers. You just can't see them. There were five things that we were going to struggle with. The counselors say it. The books say it. I knew what the five things were. It says we were going to struggle with communication. It said we were going to struggle with um, our, our in-laws. It said we were going to struggle with sex. That's number three. It said we were going to struggle with parenting, our children. That's number four. And say we were going to struggle with money. There were five things me and Julie thought, okay, we're going to fight about. Can I just tell you, that's just the top five. There's plenty more things we fought about, right? <laughs> plenty of more things we fought about. Now, so what am I talking about here? If you're going to take some notes, I want you to think about marriage as in like seasons, okay? I'm going to talk through four different seasons. I'm talking about through spring, summer, fall, and winter. And spring's going to be that, spring's going to be that Time in our lives where we're super busy and we just got, we're intense. I mean, we're almost like ships passing the night. We got toddlers in the home or whatever. I mean, we're busy. We hardly even have time for one another. I'm going to talk about summer when life is well and good and you're loving life and it's a good time in life and you just, everything's, you know, good. I'm going to talk about um, uh, the uh, fall when you're going through changes in your life. And then we're going to talk finally about winter. And that's when the wheels come off and things aren't good. What do you do when things aren't good? How do, how do you deal with those things, okay? Let's start off with, first of all, spring. This is time when you're busy, all right? I remember me and Julie, we, uh, I should bring you up here with boxing gloves. By the way, I asked my wife if she wanted to preach for me today, and she preached with me. She said, uh-uh, it's Valentine's Day, and I could not go against that. Um, so, um, so I'm thinking for about that season in your life when it comes to spring, when you are so busy, it's crazy. Julie and I got married, and she was finishing a grad program, and I was starting a grad program. She was at the University of Georgia in Athens. I was at Emory University in Atlanta. We were working on two different degrees. We had a little girl named Abigail that you know, needed everything from us. And I remember being so busy with school, work. I was working. She was working, all right? We had jobs, right? I remember life being so busy that when we first got married, we spent every minute with each other. Now we hardly even saw each other, all right? And here's what I want you to write down about, about that spring season in your life. When you're almost like ships passing the night, how do you fight? How do you fight for your marriage? And let me tell you, one of the things you need to write down is busyness is one of the greatest enemies of marriage. Busyness is one of the greatest enemies of marriage. You can go through that busy season, and you can begin to tell yourself little lies. Like, well, it's just for right now. It's just for right now. Just for right now, this will be over soon. But here's what you need to know, that those moments can become patterns, and those patterns can become lifestyles. And you, you can stay so busy that you can end up disconnecting from one another in that spring season and have spring after spring after spring where you just stay busy, all right? So here's a couple of points, and here's how you fight during those seasons of busyness. Man, I've had busy seasons of ministry. I remember planting this church. We knew I was going to be incredibly busy, right? You're going to go through seasons of busyness and intensity and, and you feel like you don't have time for each other. How do you fight for your marriage? A couple of three or two or three, four things. First of all, you got to keep having fun together. You got to find ways to have fun together, to put the world on pause and go, okay, if I work five days or six days this week, the next day, we're getting out of here. We're going away with the family somewhere. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to have fun. We're going to do something. You got to have fun together. You got to remember why you got together. Second idea is you need to have a date night, all right? Go out on a date night. Remember that it, it was how you, you kind of got in love, you fell in love, you chose to love because you sat across the table and you looked at her eyes and you was like, whoa, you know? And you, I, listen, my wife and I did this not long ago. We went to Caraba. She doesn't even know this. I looked across the table, I looked at my wife's eyes and I thought, huh, I had to repent for this. Just be very confessional for a minute. 
I looked at my wife's eyes. And in my mind, I thought to myself, I haven't really looked in her eyes in a long time. Listen, we can get so busy, we forget how important date nights are. Busyness can be a great enemy of your marriage. So if you're going to fight for your marriage, you've got to find ways to put the world on halt, pause, and go have fun together. You need to have some date nights. Um, you, need to, you need to make sure that you're taking time to just continue to spend time together. If you can't go on a date, just when, 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 the, when the kids are put in bed, you know, then you go cut off the TV and spend a few minutes talking to one another. You've got to court each other. Listen, in the busy seasons of life, you still have to find a way to court each other. Maybe you've heard it said before, if, if most marriages continued to court each other, less marriages would be in court. Do you believe that? Yeah, if, I'll say it one more time. If most people be, continued to court each other, less marriages would be in court. So in those busy seasons of life, you, in the spring season, you need to find time, you need to have fun, you need to have some date nights, you need to look in each other's eyes, you need to remember Hey, listen, we're here with each other, even though the world is incredibly busy. Let's talk for a minute about summertime. Oh, summertime. By the way, do you love summer? I love summer. Summer is my season, all right? I love to go to the beach. I love everything about summer. I love the pool. I love everything about summer. Have you ever felt like me, though, that summer is like super short? It's the shortest of all the seasons. By the way, have you ever felt that way in marriage before? Those good moments, those great moments, I'm loving life. Sometimes they're shorter, okay? <laughs> That's just the truth, all right? So in the summer seasons, write this word down, in the summer seasons, in the great moments of life, when all is well in your marriage, you need to make sure you're doing something. And here's that word, write it down. It's the word invest. In the great moments, in the good moments, when life is well, that's when you need to be investing. You need to plant, you need to store up, you need to do something before the wheels come off that is good for your marriage, all right? In the good moments, do something now because winter is going to be around the corner. Illustration, um, illustration. Some of us men, the way we take care of our cars is we do annual maintenance. I mean, not, not annual, we do regular maintenance, okay? Regular maintenance, we take care of, we changing the oil. Some of you guys are much better at that than other guys, right? Changing our oil, we're doing this, doing this, tires, da, 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 regular maintenance. Now, that's not some of us. Some of us are not like that at all. We don't do any maintenance until something happens, right? We're not working, investing, investing planting, storing up anything when it comes to our cars. We're just going to deal with our cars whenever it screams at us, right? All of a sudden, the brake, I guess I got to change the brake pad, you know? And we do, we, all of a sudden, we don't take care of it until it goes wrong, what I'm telling you here is when it comes to your marriage, regular maintenance is so much better than emergency maintenance. Do something for your marriage in the good times. Like what, Stephen? Hey, why don't you go buy a book? Why don't you go watch a YouTube video on how to make your marriage better? Why don't you go on a marriage seminar? I got a, we got a couple here this morning that I'm, I'm not going to name them, but hey, listen, they're off this weekend on a marriage seminar weekend, and I think it's cool. They're in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and on Valentine's Day, they're working on their marriage. How cool is that, right? During the, during the summer months of your marriage, when all is well in your love and life, you need to do something to invest in your marriage. I'll say it differently. In the great months, do something to send your roots down deep in your marriage because there are going to come some winter months and you need to have deep roots, all right? Now, let's talk about that, that season that comes after the summer. I'm going to go a little bit faster, but these are important. The, summer, the, the, the season after summer is fall. And what do we mean by fall? We're talking about those seasons of change, right? We're talking about those seasons when you got a new job or you got a new house, you're moving to a new neighborhood, or maybe you got a new baby in the home, okay? This is a season of change. Maybe there's newness happening in your world. And by the way, change can be good and change can be bad. So maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost the house. Maybe, something's go maybe, you, maybe somebody died in your world, okay? When changes happen in your world, good or bad, there's one key word I want you to write down, and that is in the fall of your marriage, when change is happening, be willing to adjust. Adjust. The success of your marriage depends upon your ability to adjust. I'll go back and say it one more time. When me and Julie first got married, we were young kids. We didn't know anything. We changed over those years. It has called for her and myself to make a lot of adjustments along the way because we've been through a lot of changes. We don't, we've, we've moved several times. We moved out of state for me to do a doctoral program. We've, we've had a lot of change. By the way, 
every marriage will have a lot of change, right? So in the fall season, when your marriage is going through change, you've got to be willing to adjust. Some people don't want to adjust, and so that's when their marriage starts to fall apart. They'll look at each other and they'll go, I just don't, don't like you anymore, you know? Or they'll think, you're just different than me. And they'll, they'll blame it on their personalities. Or have you ever heard this one? What's that word again? They, uh, lawyers came up with it. It's called, um, the, reason, the reason you get divorced is called incompatibility. You heard that one before? Oh, we're just incompatible. I, don't, I believe that's a bunch of bogus mess The lawyers came up with, right? Let me tell you why I say that, okay? If you haven't already figured it out, you are incompatible with everybody. <laughs> Nobody is like you. Nobody's going to agree with you all the time. You are incompatible with everybody. And if it weren't the case, you wouldn't even be needed on the planet if, if everybody was just like you, right? So, so marriages are not willing to adjust, and they say, oh, we're just, we're just incompatible. Our personalities are different. Listen, everybody's personality is different, and your, your ability to adjust is going to depend uh, it's going to be the, one of the sole factors of making sure you have, you're fighting well and you're having a successful marriage. And by the way, what is this whole deal? Have you ever heard that we fell in love? Like you, like you one time were walking, you met somebody, you fell off in a ditch. Oh, I fell in love, right? The truth of the matter is you were attracted to somebody and you looked at them and you chose to love them. You chose to give love to them. Now, love is a choice. And that's very important. You might want to write that down in that fall season to remind yourself that in the middle of this change, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Now, interestingly enough, when you choose to love somebody, feelings do follow that. But love is a choice. That's what it is. And you've got to be willing to accept each other's differences. When you're going through those changes, good or bad, adjust. Final thought about the fall season, okay? Final thought. A great marriage really is two things. Two, great forgivers, adjusting to life well. That's the heart of what a marriage is really about. Finally, the winter season. All right, winter season. Winter is when the wheels come off. Winter is when things don't go well. Winter is when you want to give up. And it might be an affair. And it might be a betrayal. It might mean a bankruptcy. It might mean a diagnosis, cancer. It might mean some mental illness with that person or in the family. It might be a child in jail and your world screeches to a halt. Winter is the season when life is not well and you don't know where to turn. You might be grieving. You might have a hard time loving each other in this moment. But in that moment, every marriage, listen carefully. Every marriage will walk through the winter. And in the winter, you need to know how to fight for your marriage. So how do you do that? Jesus makes it very clear in the word, crises are going to happen. And so when crisis walks through the door, or when chaos walks through the door, what are you going to do? Just a couple of thoughts here. Number one, and I would say in winter it's the greatest way to fight for your marriage. Think to yourself, say to yourself, say to your spouse, for us, divorce is not an option. When my wife and I got married, we didn't even call our marriage a marriage. We didn't call our, our wedding a, a wedding. We didn't call it a, a ceremony. On the very front of our program, we used the word covenant because we had together talked about we are making a vow for the rest of our lives. And we, we, we uh, hit the button and ejected the escape hatch for divorce. We did that when we were young. You know, we we're young. But for us, we have a rule. We don't, we don't, we, it just don't happen. And it never has. Never once since the day we said I do has the word divorce been spoken in my house. Whether it was in the winter or the summer or the fall or the spring, we don't use the D word. Because it's something we have, we've, it's not even an option. We've, we've hit the eject button. Now, homicide is, but, but not, <laughs> but not divorce, okay? So you, you, you're basically saying, you know what, I'm, we're going to get through this winter together, and divorce is not an option for us, okay? It's not. We believe God's plan was that marriage was his plan from the very beginning. He's got a lot of purposes in it, and we've got to walk through winter together. We will walk through it. Second idea, second idea is find some way in the winter to lean on each other, not to attack one another. You've got to lean on each other in the winter. Man, you're there for each other, and you're going through the same thing. 
You're going through the same thing together. So lean on each other in the winter. And here's what you need to know. Man, I teach this in my counseling all the time. It's through the difficulty. Listen, this is the most important thing you might hear today. It's through the it's through the it's through the conflict. It is through the crisis. It is through the chaos that you go deeper in intimacy. Listen, you ride across you know, you, 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 you hydroplane across the surface of your relationship and your marriage, and you never have a winner, you don't really know. You don't really know what your marriage is made of. But you ever go through crisis and chaos and what I call the tunnel of conflict, you ever go through that tunnel, and you'll find out that when you get back on the other side, it's greater intimacy and greater depth because you walked through the winter together, and you didn't give up on each other. See, that's what the winter is all about. Baby, can you come here for a minute? I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Last thing. I'm going to tell you a story I never told you before because I'm kind of embarrassed about it. I didn't even tell my mama. Um, when me and Julie were dating, I, I went to school. I did my undergraduate up in um, Cleveland, Tennessee, just north of Chattanooga. And I love Chattanooga. We, we even take our kids up to Chattanooga every once in a while for a little vacation. And um, I was trying to impress Julie, right, because we were dating and, um, and I took her up to Chattanooga, and, I, and, and we looked at the lights and all that kind of stuff, and we went out and ate a great dinner, and it was really good. Guys, you know, I was schmoozing it, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and, and so the last thing was I was going to romance her, and I was going to take her up on Lookout Mountain. And on Lookout Mountain, if you've ever been there, you kind of get this point. It says you can see seven states, and I was going to take her up there. And so we finally drove up in the dark, and I'm getting ready to go to Lookout Mountain. <laughs> I didn't know they closed Lookout Mountain like at 6 o'clock. And uh, we get there, and the thing is closed, right? I'm going to take, take off my gloves for a minute. And she said, well, uh, that's okay. It's okay. She was real sweet. I said, no, it's not. We parked right there. I said, we're going to break in. <laughs> I told you I never told this story before. So, um, so I had, you know, I... I I, uh, yeah, my wife's asking me if there's a statute of limitations on breaking into somewhere. But I had been up there a few times, you know, and I saw this low fence at one little point, and I said, come on, you know, guys try to do that stuff. We're going to press the woman anyway, right? I said, come on. She said, no, no, Julie is, a, Julie is not a rule breaker. Her daddy's an insurance. She does not take risks, all right? I said, come on, come on. No, 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 come on, come on, come on, no, no. She finally, and so I made her uh, follow me, and we jumped this fence, and we got on top of this house. We jumped off the house, got her, got her, got her. We were in Lookout Mountain. We made it, right? But now I had to find my way down these paths to finally get out on top of the mountain. And if you've ever been to Lookout Mountain, they have these little places where you have to go down these steps through tunnels of darkness where they got all these little glowing things, you know. And I, and I didn't think about those. And so we're walking like this, and she's saying, I'm saying, come on, babe, follow me. And she's holding on to me. It's dark. You know, follow me. And finally, we get to one of those little dark things. And we're like standing on the edge of this dark tunnel thing. And I was like, I think we got to go through there to. She was like, can we just go back? Can we just go back? I said, no, but I said, she said, yeah, she, she's whispering at me. I said, there's cameras. You're going to get arrested. You know, so anyway, uh, so finally I said, come on, babe, we're going through this thing. So I said, I said, come on, just you hold on to me. And I said, let's go. And I'm going to feel my way through this, right? And so we start walking. We start walking through the tunnel like this. I'm feeling my way around. And all of a sudden, this thought comes to me. What if there's some homeless man inside this tunnel? All right. And, and you guys, you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, it's my left hand. I can't beat up nobody with my left hand. I said, stop. 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 Hold on to me. I got to have my right hand. Here we go. We're feeling through. We're going through the tunnel. Woo, we didn't hit our head or nothing. We made it to the other side. She and I will never forget walking through that tunnel together. But when I was writing these notes up and I was thinking about the tunnel of conflict, the tunnel of chaos, the tunnel of crisis, you're going to go through some dark moments if you've been married for any length of time. In those moments, you've got to say, you know what, divorce isn't an option for us. We're going to get through this. It's a season. It's a season. We're going to lean on each other. We're going to hold on to each other. And we come out on the other side. <laughs> Listen, church. 
we will stand on the edge and we'll be able to see much clearer than we can today. We stood on the edge of that mountain, looked over Chattanooga, we looked over all the mountain that was there, and we were so happy we were willing to go through that tunnel together. Shouldn't have broke into the place, but still, you know. A <laughs> couple of final thoughts. If you're not married today, and um, you're thinking about getting married, can I just tell you, marriage is God's plan. And if you want to get married, then here's what you need to know. Chances are, God wants to give you that gift, so be patient with it. But here's the word I would say. No matter what other people say, a lot of people will tell you to be afraid of of getting married. Don't be afraid to get married. It's God's plan. Don't be afraid. You just keep listening for what God's got for you, okay? And if God's called you to singleness, listen in every way you can. Follow that Hebrew scripture we started the day with and honor marriage. And help us together build a country that brings marriage back brings marriage back where people stay together and they honor one another and they are that living breathing walking model metaphor of Jesus and his church and by the way I'm glad you're here this morning at Harvest Point we want to build strong marriages strong families that honor Jesus may each of us do that together would you pray with me Father, I thank you for this church, and I thank you for who you are, because it's in your plan that you made the great thing called marriage. Lord, for every person here that's married, for every person here who one day may be married, I I pray for them today, and I pray blessings and favor over their marriage. I pray that you'd grow them in unity and love and in favor, and I pray that, Lord, you'd let them sink their roots down deep, and I pray that they would walk a lifetime journey with the person that you called them to marry. And Lord, for those folks today here who are not married today, I pray for them. I pray that they may grasp that gift of singleness for this moment in their life. But I also pray, Lord, for those who want to get married, that you would give them the quiet, still, small whisper that you're not done yet. You've not spoken the final word yet. That you will lead them to that place when it's time for them to receive that gift. God, thank you for Valentine's Day. Help us to hold the folks close to us. Really close. Love on our kids. Love on our grandkids. And love on our spouses during this time. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Harvest Point. Have a great week.